Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More To Be, host of the More To Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, I'm really excited to have my friend Peggy McQueen with us. Uh, Peggy is a, a sister in Christ. She is a licensed counselor. She is a, a mom and a wife. She has two grown daughters, and I've had the privilege of uh, hearing about them and learning about them from uh, time to time. And, and Peggy, the thing that is distinctive about Peggy in my life is she is a woman who is passionate about God's word, passionate about his healing work in people's lives. And she and I share a, a passion of helping unpack what um, mental health looks like and had the benefits of counseling and the benefits of understanding what depression looks like, anxiety looks like, biblical shame looks like, so that we can move forward in our healing and wholeness. So I've invited Peggy to be with us today so we can cover some of those topics from not only a biblical perspective, but also a professional perspective, because there's so many myths out there about what mental health looks like and so many stigmas and excuses. And I just want to kind of crash through those with somebody who can speak to the heart of it. So Peggy, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate having you here. Absolutely. It's an honor. I'm really grateful that you asked. I think yeah. it'll help people understand um, what counseling is all about. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your family first and then the process that led to you even becoming a counselor and what that looks like for you. So I always wanted to be a psychologist, counselor. Um, and then as I got into college, I had a psychology major and then I went on to get my master's degree at Westchester University in counseling and higher education because I had worked at a college for a while and wanted to be able to touch the lives of um, college kids and young adults. I took a job and that's where I worked with a number of different clients from all walks of life and all different challenges and issues. And then just recently, three years ago, actually, I started my own private practice Thrive Coaching and Counseling. And that's where I just work for myself and I see clients from all ages. Right now, probably the youngest I have is 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, up to, I've worked as old as I think she was 72. So it's a gamut of ages. And I work with, I think my focus is primarily. Um, sexual trauma and abuse mm. and grief and loss. Okay. However, I do have been located near the university, Westchester. I have a number of students that struggle with anxiety and depression. Interesting. And that's one of those topics we want to cover today. Right. Of what do we do? And we, we've done a number of episodes on the podcast on anxiety because we've had, uh, I've had guests on the podcast that have shown up to talk about X and we end up always talking about anxiety because uh -huh. they personally struggled with it. 
And, and then my own daughter has walked through her own struggle with anxiety and we've, I've been public with her permission about that. So I'm excited to hear you kind of unpack that from the clinical perspective because we haven't had a therapist speak to it. Mm -hmm. So before we get there, uh, you were mentioning to me before we got on that you uh, have a list of these five myths that keep people from going for counseling. So I think that would be a great place to start so that we can really, uh, like, I, I almost feel like we're taking the curtain away from the, um, what people think counseling is and why they should resist it and saying, no, 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 this is an open door. I come walk into it because this is where God's healing can can take place. So tell me about those five. Right. Well, when we had talked about this, I thought, what would keep um, someone from coming to counseling? So uh, the first one I came up with, um, and just through some discussion and research on my own and with other my peers, um, one is counseling is for those who are weak and quote unquote crazy. I get that a lot. Really? Um, yes, yes. And actually what I have found is counseling is not for those who are weak. The first thing I usually say to a new client is it took a lot of courage and strength to walk through those doors yes. to make the phone call. And so I often commend them on just coming in even if they don't come back, I know it takes a lot of courage to do that because I think what they're thinking is if I need help, what is wrong with me? Mm. And oftentimes I look at it as how about a different perspective or someone that can be objective and see things that you may not be able to see and share those with you to be able to thrive. Mm. My, you know, not to promote myself, but I chose the title Thrive Coaching and Counseling because I believe in the mantra of talk, change, and thrive. Let's have a discussion. Let's talk. Let's talk about some things that can bring about change. And as a result of that change, we can thrive and be the person that God has intended us and called us to be before all this muck came into our lives. Yeah. I love that. So consistent with what I do as a coach, where uh, the process that we use starts with awareness, where are you at? And in order to figure out where you're at, you have to talk about it. And you, right. you get the aha when you're having that conversation. And then from where you're at to where do you want to go? So that's the vision. And, and most people don't have a vision of what could come. It's what they want to leave behind. I don't right. want to be this right. way anymore. I don't want to stay stuck. Mm -hmm. And then we identify the obstacles. And so in that process of identifying obstacles, then we also are looking at what are solutions or strategies for moving forward. So I love your summary of Talk Change Thrive because that matches that process, whether it's coaching or counseling. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. And so one of the things to, to distinguish the difference, coaching is something that uh, I tend to work with people who already are at a good emotional health. So on the mental health continuum from minus 10 to plus 10, mm -hmm. mental health would be potentially in the minus. There's some wounding or some dysfunction that has, has to be identified and worked through. Right. And then they can move forward. And so I teach through the coach training course, it's the difference between an archaeologist, which would be a counselor, and an architect, which would be a coach. And Yet an architect can't do the architectural work 
if they haven't dealt with the foundation on which they're building. Mm -hmm. So in counseling that I'm always sending people to counseling because there, let's make sure we're in, we're in a stable place for the growth forward that you want to embrace. Right. And I think along with that, I see counseling and clinical counseling, especially, I often tell my new clients when they come in and I'm sitting with them for the first time that oftentimes after a few sessions and after I go back and get a thorough family history, family of origin history, mm -hmm. will come upon some kind of woundedness. That's yes. what I call it. Yeah. That has affected them. Um, it could be anything from, uh, I don't know, a past generational issue or, um, it's been called a generational sin. We've, we've talked about it that way. Um, but something that has happened in their family of origin that has caused this woundedness to affect their way of thinking, their way of behaving, yep. and that affects the actions that we take. Yep. So in working with that, it's interesting, like you had mentioned, they might come in for you know, communication or relational issues. And yeah. then we end up talking about some woundedness or some misinterpretation that we have made in our lives. Yes. And that's where we're focusing on. Yep. And, and I've had some of my clients say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm talking about this when this other issue was really the reason why I came in. I'm seeing what a lie that I have believed my yep. whole life. And now I know that that was a lie and I can move forward in freedom. Yes. And that, that happens in the coaching process too with my clients because they'll hire me to help them launch a business or a ministry. Mm -hmm. And session three, we're talking about something that a fifth grade teacher said to them. Yes. And, but that's absolutely a, a belief was forged through that experience. That is the obstacle for them having the freedom moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll end up saying, I'm like, well, you know, we're kind of going into a little bit of counseling here as I listen to you, but right. if you could walk through this with the Lord and, and we see growth and freedom in the weeks to come. You're golden. Keep moving. Right. If this is a place of stuck. This is going to be when I'm going to refer you to a counselor. Because mm -hmm. there's more to unearth there that I'm not qualified to unearth with you from a professional perspective mm -hmm. uh, if, if there's a long-term impact to that. Right. Because honestly, too, and we can touch on this just briefly, is that along with that impact could be some trauma. Yes. And so, you know, there could be some um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder that comes along with that, or even trauma causes you, like you said earlier, to be stuck yes. in a belief system yep. or in some kind of behavior that we want to move past yeah. and get to the root of that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to circle back around to PTSD because I think that's an important thing to define. Do you want to define that right now? Or do you want to go on to your second myth? <laughs> Let's go on to the second okay. myth. Um, and that is psychotherapy is just for those who have mental illness. But honestly, um, it is for personal growth. Um, yes, I do have clients that have mental illness, yet at the same time, 
the mental illness could be and often is in addition to maybe some kind of mood disorders. Those are two different things. So with mental illness, if you look at the National Institute of Mental, mental Health, they'll tell you that anxiety and depression is a mental disorder, mental illness, yet there are different factors in each of those that can um, prevent you to living the life to the fullest, yet at the same time, I would say everyone to some degree or another struggles with some kind of anxiety and depression because life is life and it's hard at times and it has its challenges and it's where we get stuck, mm -hmm. where it can become something that can cause us to remain stagnant or cause us harm because of the false beliefs we are believing. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so what we're struggling with can be categorized, but what I'm hearing you say, the solution it is more important than the label. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with the clinical, I think it, when it becomes so severe that it causes you to I guess, remain idle, for lack of a better word, that's when going to a licensed professional counselor that comes from a more clinical perspective can really understand the different, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like nuances? Yes, or um, different things that cause the anxiety or why you're remaining there. So um, for instance, you know, something for anxiety would be when you're experiencing racing thoughts and it's hard to control them and they're keeping you up at night and you're feeling tired and you're not able to eat or you have irritable bowel syndrome as a result of some of the anxiety that you're feeling and that you have, that's where I believe going to a professional counselor or a licensed professional counselor that can be able to discern um, where you might need to take um, the next step with either seeing a doctor or a psychiatrist. I'm not one that will, you know, promote um, definitely medication first thing. I usually try to help people with coping mechanisms and different tools out of a toolbox they can use to calm themselves and get their anxiety under control before I would take that step of mm -hmm. telling them to, you know, make, a make an appointment to see their um, uh, primary care physician or a psychiatrist. Okay. And so that's the difference because a licensed counselor or mental health therapist isn't going to prescribe correct medication. you have to go to a psychiatrist to mm -hmm. medication and and yet uh, what i've heard is that sometimes psychiatrists they'll take the di they'll give a diagnosis and they'll give the medication but they're not necessarily implementing cognitive behavior therapy or other tools to strategize with so i i'm under the impression that you often need a partnership Yes, that's correct. What I encourage um, people to do is if you are on some kind of medication for anxiety, depression, um, 
something like that, you should also be in talk therapy. Mm -hmm. So a psychiatrist, you're correct, is one that can prescribe medication. Mm -hmm. But along with that, they usually strongly encourage talk therapy. Oftentimes it's required. If you're on medication, you're going to go see a talk therapist. And that is what a psychologist or a licensed professional counselor is. I do know, and they're very, very hard to find, there are some psychiatrists that will spend a good amount of time with their client and doing some kind of talk therapy, but it's not common and it's not often. Gotcha. Good. So I've got questions going on in my mind, but I want to hear myth number three. <laughs> oh, okay. So the third myth I came up with is it makes you dependent on your therapist. Uh, so there are several people out there that are thinking that I can't go to counseling because now, you know, I'll be dependent on them. I'll be worried about what they think. I'll be dependent on what they think. I want their advice. And honestly, as a therapist, it's my goal that they do not become dependent on me because Mm -hmm. then you're kind of moving into an area of codependency Mm -hmm. and a professional counselor does not want that. Um, I will tell you there, but you shouldn't feel badly if you do see a therapist and you've seen your therapist for a while, for a few years even, because it really depends on what you're going to your counselor for. And if there is a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and a lot of abuse or neglect in your life, you have to go through um, time and processes to move through that and to um, be able to heal from those different situations. Mm -hmm. I also believe that in grief and loss, you also have to walk through that pain because um, I often tell my clients, you never want to think about moving through these hardships and saying, I'll get over it or, you know, Um, I'm just going to move past that. I often tell them, you want to go through it. You want to sit with your pain and feel your pain because as you're moving through it, even though it's hard to see, you are gaining strength and you are becoming stronger so that once you are through it and if you experience more hardship in your life or more life issues, you can actually turn around and see how far you've come and how strong you are, which empowers you to continue to move. And as a therapist myself, I don't want my clients to be dependent on me. Yet at the same time, my philosophy of counseling is let me take your hand. I'm going to reach back and I'm going to grab a hold of it and I'm going to pull you up to where I am so that you can continue to move forward. That's the way I see psychotherapy. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think each, each journey is going to be different. I love that you unpacked the fact that the level of trauma Mm -hmm. will dictate kind of the level of need. And I would say this, that, you know, the, the majority of my trauma happened for me as a child, I'd say Mm -hmm. majority. That's how I always looked at it. So when I entered into counseling, first time I entered into counseling was right after I graduated from college because my anger issues were out of control. I look back on that season of working with that counselor for about nine months. And I, I don't think there was anything accomplished Hmm. except my outbursts 
were diminished because I had a place to process it. But there wasn't, there wasn't change, deep change. And I don't think I was ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was emotionally immature, spiritually immature to be able to process. I was too close to what had happened, I think, to, to figure it all out. It took 10 years when I entered into counseling, really what to me feels like for the first time. Right. And I, I was with, and I've told parts of my story on the podcast, but it's worth recounting now. Uh, you know, I grew up in an emotionally and physically abusive home that it, there's three generations worth of abuse in my legacy at, documented. Like mm-hmm. that we can go back three generations and say this was a generational sin that has carried to me. Um, and in that counseling, I met with a, a Christian. Uh, she was licensed and trained and prayer, theophosic prayer was part of my counseling experience. So we, in our sessions, not only did I, was I talking, but we were turning to God and asking him to speak truth. And so in my experience, I was able to, to seek God and, and his word to figure out the lies I believed and what he had to say in Absolutely. response to it. And it's what my book, Meet the New You, uh, really is the fruit of, because that whole book is about take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that's why I think talk therapy is so beneficial is because we're being aware then of what are our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that comes from second, I say the second Corinthians 10, five, and then Romans 12, two, which is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in that it's okay, this is what I'm thinking, but what is true? And that gave me um, the skill set through practicing it with my counselor Mm-hmm. To do it on my own. So we reached a point where I was ready to go and live it out. Right. But then there was another trauma. And that trauma, uh, a, a break in my family of origin relationships too, that caused me to go back into counseling. Mm-hmm. And then I came out of counseling because I healed even deeper and walked through forgiveness and and recognize the source of my anger was unforgiveness and bitterness and shame, which I know we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then was able to move on. Well, then we we moved and we uh, it unearthed all sorts of things. And in the the five years since we left the the beloved boarding school that I was a part of for eighteen years, uh, I have experienced uh, not not so much traumas that are quite as severe as what it was as when I was an abused child, but loss and grief that has caused me to see my life from a different perspective and required support again, Yeah, to be able to walk, walk through it. And so I just don't, I don't want our listeners to think, well, I wasn't abused or I wasn't, um, Nothing bad happened to me. My parents loved me. I had a great childhood. And, but sometimes we can't understand the impact of a situation on our lives while we're in the middle of it. But looking back, we can start to put the pieces of the puzzle together and a counselor can help with that. Right, right. And honestly, that actually leads right into myth number four, which is talking through problems with a total stranger may not change anything. So Um, let's define problems. Problems can be anything. It can be communication issues. It can be um, 
um, maybe some kind of social fear, um, being in public, as simple as, you know, high school and college students struggling with um, public speaking. I get that a lot. Um, When we all know as adults that you're going to use this. So let's just dive in here and figure out why public speaking is causing you some anxiety. Um, So yes, absolutely. Um, Even if you have not experienced trauma and abuse or extreme situations that one might believe, oh, that's why you would go to counseling. Even talking over your career, talking over, I don't know what to major in in high school. And then, I mean, in college. And then even in high school, do you know what? One day I had girlfriends and the next day I'm being shunned by those same girls. I don't understand what I've done wrong when really it's not necessarily, you know, maybe what that person has done, but it's just this, you know, bullying or really following another person's maybe bad choice to not be kind, you know? So those might not be as severe as sexual trauma and abuse, yet at the same time, going to a counselor to get a different perspective is really helpful. Absolutely. And I've experienced that most recently. Uh, One of my daughters and I have have a really hard time communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. Just uh, don't hear each other. We just don't. Mm -hmm. And we, it, it took her seeing a particular therapist individually and then me having the conversation with the therapist and then us coming into it together Mm -hmm. to, and, and the benefit of it was that she was able to facilitate communication between the two of us Mm -hmm. and help us as an objective third party that my husband couldn't do. The other kids in the family couldn't do help Mm -hmm. us see the lens through which we were hearing each other. Right. So that we could speak differently and respond differently to each other. And it was only three sessions in total and things are radically different because of that. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, people will be like, what, what do you have to go for a counselor? Shouldn't God be able to do that for you? Shouldn't the body of Christ be able to do that for you? Shouldn't you just write the Holy spirit be sufficient? And I would love to say that would be awesome, but God provided this woman who has been trained and skilled as, as his follower to listen with his ears and to co-labor with the work of the Holy Spirit to help us see in our flesh and feel in our flesh what we could not discern on our own. And if that's not the picture of the body of Christ, I don't know what is. That's right. I agree with that 100%. And I think it's important, too, that, you know, some might say, you know, take it to prayer, which we should Um, talk to someone, um, you know, uh, a pastor or, you know, um, another Christian. Why do you need to go to counseling? And I totally agree with you 100%. The Lord can speak through a professional counselor. And I think it's important that we don't classify or put these in separate boxes. Um, which also leads into the fifth myth, which is <laughs> a therapist will judge me or bring about shame. 
Mm. or have me focus on what my parents did or didn't do. And um, if you are seeing a counselor that is making you, not making you, wrong word, that you might be feeling shame, I would really examine that because a really good therapist is going to work really hard in not allowing that to happen because that is the last thing a therapist wants to bring to the room. And that is having their clients feel shame Mm -hmm. or feel badly about themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Shame is a feeling. And I often say to my clients who have gone through you know, things in their lives or trauma or abuse, I want them. My heart's desire is to be a shame lifter. Mm-hmm. And I often, you know, for these past 15 plus years as a therapist, that's been my goal because shame is not of God and he does not want us carrying that. And I want to help people be free of that because that is not what he wants for us, even as parents and raising my children and growing up with a pastor as a father and then my mom being the dutiful pastor's wife, um, you know, we hear that shame on you. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, if shame is not God, if not of God, why am I saying that? I cannot be saying that. And it is just something that we say, shame on you. No. We're, we're taking that out of our vocabulary and conversation because I don't want to impose shame on anyone. I actually want to lift them and free them from that. With that, you know, you were talking about shame. And so I'll go back to, you know, um, shame defined and from a number of different people. And I will tell you that I felt the one that really touched me the most was someone who is very popular right now. And that's Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And like her definition of shame was right on. And what we have to remember is that shame is a feeling and it affects our way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So if it is a feeling and you were saying it, and I felt, I say it too in my practice a lot is, okay, what is a feeling and what is truth? Yeah. So if you're feeling this and then you're choosing to believe it, let's talk about why you're feeling it and what has happened to cause you to feel it versus, okay, I know you're feeling this, but what does God's word say about you? And if it is polar opposite of what you're feeling, let's talk about why you're feeling this way. Because the word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. So stop beating yourself up. I mean, I can't be that direct, but I might say, talk about why you're feeling so, you know, um, less than unworthy. And that's where she says the intense feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore not worthy of love or belonging. Mm. Wow, that's amazing to me, because isn't that something that we all struggle with? It is something that we all struggle with. And, and I would say two degrees based on personalities. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, there is just that lens that we see and hear through. So that the same, the same children within the same family and the same experiences could process events entirely different. Absolutely. Right. And it's, um, I noticed this with my, my youngest daughter who, who is horseback riding and she 
she declares things good and bad, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a good ride or it was a bad ride. The horse was good or the horse was bad. She did a good move for herself or she did a bad move and bad move. And, and I said to her, can we stop putting it in camps of good and bad? And can we start looking at asking the question of, I wonder what was going on? So when the horse refuses the jump, it's not that she was a bad horse that she refused the jump. What made her refuse that jump? Was she scared? Was she overwhelmed? Did she feel like she wasn't going to be able to make it? Was she, was she just ornery and done? What was going on with her and not categorize her by good or bad? Because when we say the horse is bad, that's to me, that's a shame message Mm -hmm. to not do that with the horse because she also does that with herself. And it's not, it's not Caitlin, you're so bad or so stupid or that you're so great and so awesome. Uh, it, it is, wow, what was going on that you demonstrated a really awesome skill set? Who can you give glory to? God, you really struggled in that area. You're feeling weak. What do you need to do with that? Well, God says his power is made perfect in your weakness. So how can you take that before the Lord and ask him to strengthen you and grow you in that way or, or show up for you in a way that you haven't seen him show up before? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're really moving through this. And if I look at my other children, some of them are also quick to categorize good and bad versus, ah, it just is. Right. I see that as black and white and gray. You either see things in black and white or you see things in gray. Mm -hmm. And I, and you're absolutely right. Each child is different. Mm -hmm. I have two very different daughters and you know, one is very black and white and one is gray. And then me and my profession, I have to be able to see things in gray um, because sometimes black and white just doesn't work. Um, But then there are times when black and white does, and that would be in different, you know, um, with different clients that are struggling in different areas of their lives where it is definitely a right or wrong. Yeah. But we got to figure out the why behind that, what's going on that's causing them to possibly be making choices that are definitely wrong and unhealthy for them. Right. And God clearly tells us that in his word. I mean, he's given us a baseline this is what honors him and this is what doesn't. And so I appreciate that you said that, that I think I often think of the color gray as, as grace, Me too. Uh, right? I know we've, we've had that Absolutely. conversation. Yes, we have. And as an artist, if you only paint in black, pure black, it's one dimensional. Mm-hmm. You only paint, paint in pure white, it's equally one dimensional. But gray is the shadow color. It is the color that gives depth of field and dimension. Right. And in some cases, when we uncover the shadow, I think of how um, Peter Scazzaro writes in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about we all have a shadow that's, that's with us, that is informing how we see the world and, and how we function and, and the choices that we make. And I, I like the way he describes it, that sometimes that shadow could be a good thing or sometimes that shadow could be a bad thing. Right. Uh, if, I, if I'm recalling what I have consumed in the last couple of months of reading well. And so there, there, I think it's just really important for us to emphasize that the gray could be a gift to us if we're able to understand its purpose. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's a really good way to define that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did we get through all five or did we only get to we four? Did, we did. I think we got through all five. Let me see. Yes, because Go the ahead. last one was talking about shame, how you would yeah. feel shame in a, a therapist's office when necessarily that is not the goal of therapists. Usually the goal in therapy when, they, when shame is um, coming up or a topic of discussion is to figure out why we're feeling that shame mm -hmm. and how to prevent ourselves from feeling that shame and how to dispose of that shame because it's definitely something that the Lord doesn't want us to have and to carry. Yeah, absolutely. So just to recap, we, we have this, uh, there are valuable and necessary reasons why we would book a session with a counselor or even a coach mm -hmm. uh, to strategize uh, how to move forward. I mean, that would be the end goal. Where are you at? What's holding you there? What's the hang up? What's the habit? What's the hold up that right. is keeping you from living that abundantly full life that, that God has promised us through Jesus and identifying steps that we can take from moving forward. So I know you have a passage from Isaiah 50 that you wanted us to touch upon. I'd like us to go there and kind of talk about that in context. And then also I, I want to wrap us up with um, what to do if anxiety or depression, how to know if your anxiety and depression is just your everyday normal child of God, worried and sad, which are reasonable emotions versus it's time to go get some help. Mm -hmm. So we'll get to that, but bring us to this passage in Isaiah that you wanted to share. Well, um, when I first heard this verse, um, it brought tears to my eyes because I feel like it is something that is my heart's desire in working with people. And it's um, Isaiah 50 verse four, and that is the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. And I feel like with that verse and my heart and life's goal is um, when I'm sitting with people, um, non-believers and believers both, because I see them both, um, I'm often praying that the Lord will give me discernment and will bring some revelation knowledge and reveal to me what is the woundedness or what is the deep-seated um, hurt or pain that is causing my client to be the way they are so that I know how to comfort the weary. And that is often whom I'm seeing mm -hmm. are those people that are so weary by what is keeping them from living the life that they want to live. And being the person that they want to be. And for believers, I would say being the person that God has called them to be and intended them to be, but they can't find their way, like I said earlier, out of this muck. So, and then moving towards your anxiety and depression, when to go see a counselor when um, you're struggling with anxiety and depression. Um, I can tell you that along with 
this anxiety and depression, oftentimes what I have found is if I am seeing someone because they're struggling with anxiety and I'm doing a thorough family history, there is oftentimes a history in their family of someone else that struggles with anxiety. And it's helpful at times when I give them an assignment to go home and if they are um, comfortable enough to ask mom and dad and, you know, um, granddad and grandmom about um, any anxiety or depression in the family. Um, it kind of normalizes it for them, which is really helpful. Um, and it, again, it lifts that shame because I feel like in this world today, struggling with something like anxiety and depression um, can bring about shame. And that that isn't what helps. It can cause someone to be even more anxious and depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And honestly, Lisa, anxiety and depression oftentimes go hand in hand yeah. because if we are struggling with anxiety and racing thoughts and things that keep us from living, um, you know, uh, a thriving life, um, then we become depressed and then we're depressed and then we isolate and then we don't engage and um, we struggle with that shame, which causes us to go through those different um, episodes of depression, which can then cause us to become anxious because we're not doing what we should be doing because we're so depressed. And so it's like this constant cycle, if you will. It's very cyclical that we struggle with anxiety and then we're struggling with depression and then we're struggling with anxiety again. And it's just kind of like this, um, what are those little animals called that run on the wheels? Hamsters. <laughs> yes. Hamster on a wheel that just keeps running and running and running and we're getting nowhere. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I can definitely go through, I took some notes here about some general anxiety disorder um, that um, we can talk a little bit and that you are struggling with these different, I'll call them characteristics. Yeah. That they want to see. A yeah, do that. Share that. Share that. So, you know, there are different levels, and I would have to say with each of these, some of them are very intense or exaggerated. So, in talking about anxiety, if you have reoccurring excessive worry um, for at least six months, and by that I mean racing thoughts, um, easily fatigued, um, irritable, um, muscle tension, um, worrisome thoughts that are about a number of events or activities that um, seem to be significant, but maybe aren't, um, that you are thinking about the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs, and they're kind of um, replacing more of your grounded thoughts of um, more of your healthy way of thinking, those would be times to see a counselor. If they're preventing you from enjoying your life, if you are not able to sleep or fall asleep, or once you are asleep, you wake up and you're not able to go back to sleep. Those are some different things that you would wanna go see a counselor for. 
if you're more comfortable, go see your primary care physician, talk to your primary care physician, and they are usually the ones that will say, you know what, this is pretty much beyond my scope of treatment, so I would be happy to refer you to a mental health counselor in the area. We mm -hmm. oftentimes have good connections with doctors in the area um, so that we can work together with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's helpful. You know, it's so hard because I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know that Leah was struggling with anxiety because her symptoms didn't um, present themselves so tidily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's something to be aware of. Like it, our normal is only our normal. That's right. Right. And so I didn't have anybody else to compare it to. And I pictured an anxiety attack as what I was trained to care for in the dorm. If a, if a girl ended up and usually it would be like 1130 at night, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <sighs> well, that was a panic attack. And mm -hmm. we were taught at the time, grab a paper bag, put it over their mouth, get them to breathe. Don't, you know, and, and, and walk them down. Right. That, that never happened to my daughter, mm -hmm. but the what ifs, the worry that things having to be in control, needing to know the plans, mm -hmm. needing to have it all figured out, um, just this like intensity right. from the time she was little. Right. And I became her oxygen. Mm -hmm. So I would, especially once I became a coach, I would try to talk her out of it. And there were times it was successful mm -hmm. and I would be able to talk her off the ledge. Uh, but there were times that it wasn't successful. And what I've since learned through the trauma-focused equine-assisted therapy that I'm going through is that she was in such a state, she was functioning at the brainstem level in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Mm -hmm. And the diacephalon, the sensory motor uh, section of her body, her brain that would uh, engage with motion and rhythm and repetition wasn't engaging. So the Olympic system, which connects emotions was not engaging. And so her cognitive reasoning in her neocortex could not kick in and she could not tell me why she was agitated. She mm -hmm. could just be agitated. Mm -hmm. And so now with that training uh, well underway for me, I would have a different approach as a mom. Right. I would say, come here, let me rub your back. Let's, let's walk. Hey, let me just hold you here. And, and let the anxiety uh, move through the process mm -hmm. until she came down off of it and then strategize. Right. And that's very um, helpful to hear. And I would say taking that, um, usually in my office, I work with people who are or have had um, anxiety attacks or panic attacks, um, I often tell them too, the best thing to do is to, if you can, ground yourself, have a seat and tell, talk to your panic or your anxiety yes. and tell it to come on. Yes. Have at it. I'm here. I'm ready to have my anxiety attack. And what you will find is you often don't have it because you're not fighting it. Yes. You are working to be able to accept it, which is pretty much your cognitive behavioral therapy. You're reframing your thoughts and mm -hmm. your thinking mm -hmm. um, 
to help you better understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Um, I know I've had a number of university students and I've told them, you know, if you feel a panic attack coming on, find a bench, sit down and talk to your anxiety and say, bring it. I'm ready. I'm here. Yep. And yep. They often don't have it. And yeah. as parents, moms and daughters, even sons come alongside them and you, you nailed it, Lisa, hug them, hold them. If they don't want to be hugged, if they don't want to be held, yeah. say, I'm right here next to you. Yep. I'm here. Yep. It's yep. okay. Yep. No judgment. No. no judgment. Why are you feeling this way? You know yeah. what we do as moms sometimes you should feel like that. I've said it and I'm yeah. a counselor. You shouldn't feel like that. Okay. Well, I do. And yeah. it's like, okay, okay. I understand that you do. So let, let me just sit with you. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you don't even need words. Just being there is the support that they need. Absolutely. And I think as I look back on my personal experience, there's no, this, this isn't black and white. This is gray again, right? Mm -hmm. That what works at one moment, the hug and the rubbing in the back, the next time won't. And what, um, what will work in terms of movement versus talk will change from situation to situation. So I, I think holding it open-handed as a parent with a child who's struggling with anxiety or a spouse who struggles with anxiety and realizing I can't fix this, I can't solve this, I can't change this, but I can show up and be present mm -hmm. and be kind and be loving. And, and when the, the moment has passed, say, you know, this is a big enough issue that you're going through. Maybe it would be time for you to check in with your therapist again or for the first time. And right. because that is a, an equal part of the strategy forward as, as it is the, for lack of a better word, management in the moment. Mm -hmm. is how can we grow? And you say that, you know, the, uh, give me your three things to thrive. Um, talk, change, talk, change thrive. thrive, right? Mm -hmm. So so, okay, we're talking this through. Is this working? Okay, if it's not, what needs to change so that we can move forward into the thriving? And from the emphasis I want to drive home is if you don't know, seek somebody who could help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that, as a therapist, yes, it's not our job to give advice. Yeah. It's our job to help you find the answers. Yeah. Whether that is understanding your family of origin and where you've come from mm -hmm. to present day, what is causing you to um, possibly remain stagnant or being um, stuck in a place where you're believing lies and to sort that out so that you can move forward into freedom and living the life that you want to live that to the awesome. fullest. That's the same. It's the same for what I do as a coach. It's, uh, I teach this again and again through the coach training class. It's not advice giving because mm -mm. I don't have the solution. If I want to offer advice, then it's consulting because I will, and I will consult for business, you know, purposes or somebody's launching a ministry or starting a coaching business. I will consult because there is the difference between using MailChimp and ConvertKit and WordPress and Wix and all these other technical things that I have information about that I can give. Mm -hmm. When it comes to coaching and counseling, uh, I think that this 
concept of not giving advice is really for both of us and our hearts is because we believe God has the answer. Mm-hmm. And like you said, taking my hand, that's the same visual that I often use of I'm here to walk alongside you and encourage you and hold you accountable and ask you really hard questions to make you really think about what's going on as you seek God for the answer. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the courage to seek God for that answer in that moment, that's what I'm doing when I'm standing here with you. Right. That's awesome. Well, Peggy, this is great. I'm so grateful to have you and your wisdom and perspective to share with our listeners. So I thank you so much for being on the More To Be podcast. Would you feel comfortable in praying for us and praying oh. for our listeners as we close out? Sure, absolutely. Sure. Oh, Father, thank you so much for this time. I thank you for Lisa and for the um, desire and um, just the joy that you've placed in her heart to um, have this podcast and to also um, move people and draw people closer to you. Um, We are humbled, Lord, that we are able to um, sit with and be with people that are hurting and that are struggling and that are wanting to um, change. And I'm grateful, Lord, that you have also put that desire in my heart to come alongside people and to be able to point them to you and to also be able to um, seek and see any kind of woundedness and any kind of hurt that can cause them to believe lies of the enemy so that when they come to find this truth and your word says if we seek you we will find you that we will find freedom in that truth and so we thank you for that and it's in your name we pray amen amen thank you my friend and sure Thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.